Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. Use the code PULPMX to save yourself money when you check out. They got OEM parts now and basically anything you need, they got it. Proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with Andrew Short and Justin Brayton, although we don't really know that officially yet. And, of course, Fox Racing. 2015 line is out now, brand new V3 helmet with MIPS technology and uh, airspace goggle and foxhead.com, Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, wear Fox Racing, why don't you? All right, uh, I'm your host Steve Mathis, as usual, and I got a guy on the line that we've been trying to do this for a little while, we've missed each other a bunch, uh, but it's time, it's here, it's officially happening, and uh, he's been in the pits for a long, long time, and a big reason why the JGR Yamaha team is so often one two and one two or three off the start he is jgr uh motor guy dean baker what's up dean hi how's it how's it going thanks for doing this appreciate it i'm uh glad we're finally getting able to uh put this together yes uh, yes <laughs> really excited to be talking to you steve oh i bet i bet you are <laughs> um you're like a lot of the guys that i call for these where you're like nobody cares about my story or what i'm doing <laughs> But they do, Dino. They do. Oh, I'm telling you. That's good news. <laughs> um, I guess, first of all, let's talk a little bit about JGR. Um, you guys have come a long way since you started. You've been there from the beginning, right? First year? Yep. That, uh, yep, that's right. And so now you're at the point. We saw the press release this week. Barsha and Pike on the team next year. Uh, this past year, though, um, you won a moto at Glen Helen with Grant. Grant put in some great rides outdoors here and there, and Brayton in Supercross early on was a real factor, and uh, then he got hurt, but he, in between there were some great rides. A pretty good season for Corey Gibbs and you guys and all that, huh? Yeah, not bad. Um, certainly any time you can win uh, with the crowd that we race with <laughs> is uh, pretty exciting. Um, certainly not easy. It doesn't come easy. That's learned that over the years. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, exactly. It's a lot of work, a lot of hard work by you and everybody there, and everybody there. And um, you guys are a tight knit crew. You've been the same kind of guys, that same guys for a long time now, and uh, um, coming together. Um, now, obviously, Dean, you'd like to say that the whole shots on the JGR bikes and and all the riders telling me about how fast the bikes are, how they're racing with Brayton and Grant, and and they just get yarded out of the corners. Of course, we'd like to say. It was all due to you and Sean Ulo, Ulokowski there, but it's a good base to start on, right? The bike is fast. Are you implying that it's not? <laughs> I'm saying it's not, yeah. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> it has nothing to do with me. It has, no, some, no, it has, something, it has something to do with you, just not all of it. <laughs> no, what, what I really believe is that um, that a lot of it is the, the hard work and um, time dedicated to, you know, if it starts or mm-hmm. on-track performance, that uh, so much of it is due to the rider's commitment to it mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if there's 20 things that the rider has to do on the start to get a great start. Um, it's probably more to do with them because I don't know. I, I think in my head that, um, no matter the brand that you're on, mm-hmm. we're all pretty close. You know, there's competent engine guys at brand X or brand right. Y. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't want to take too much credit. I, I know that, um, that the riders are the biggest key to it. But I also do have faith in our program. Um, we try to give the riders exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and until they prove that they can't get the job done with it, do I kind of poke my nose in there too much and just start guiding it from there, right. try and find something good. Yeah, the, the bike's a good package for sure. I know I talked to – I had guys telling me, like, Man, I would be gaining up on Brayton on the Grant on the corner coming in the corner, and they just yard me coming out of it. They're like, I gotta, I gotta, cut, I gotta cut the guy off if I want to, if, if I'm going down a straightaway, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, I've, I've heard your your interviews before. Yeah, and uh, kind of caught that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's good. That's it's good to hear. Um, do you feel the the, the 2013 YZ450F uh, certainly seems they've made some chassis changes, and it seems to be a better bike than it did. But for a long time, people, and myself included, uh, talked about the Yamaha being a difficult bike to ride, not being you know one of the, the chosen bikes in the class. Did that kind of stuff piss you off when you, when you heard it? I mean, does it kind of uh, get you going a little bit? Well, it certainly is a little bit of a bummer because I think a lot of it is unfounded that mm-hmm. um, you know most of the people that you might hear that from, they don't even ride a Yamaha. And if they do, then, you know, how much uh, commitment do they have in making their particular bike the best it can be? Mm-hmm. Not sure. Right. Can't answer that. But, right. you know, our bike, I have uh, a certain level of confidence in it. And, you know, we believe that uh, it's capable of getting the work done. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. I can't wait to see Barsha, who's a good starter, get on your, yeah. your bike. That should be, yep. that should be good. <laughs> even a even hopefully even a better starter. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Um and, yeah. and part of that part of that thing we talked about too was I mean, you had Stewart, James Stewart was a big signing and, and a big risk taken by everybody and it just didn't work out and a lot of people like to point at that and as one of the reasons the bike wasn't great. Um on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being the most frustrating and and you know nothing nothing to do with James himself, just how frustrating was that experience of, of trying to get Stewart? I mean, he won some races, but trying to get him to stay on the bike. Um, it's probably a seven or an eight, you know. Yeah. It, it's hard to uh, to know that the potential to win at any race was there. Yeah. And uh, it took so much to, to get the three or four wins that we did. It was... Um, yeah, it's pretty difficult to know that it's all there. Right. And, uh, you know, 
who knows where where the fix really was. Um, yeah, yeah he's certainly he's won on the Suzuki, but he's also crashed on the Suzuki. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's something there. So it doesn't seem like it was the fix to me. I mean, it was a little bit of uh, more of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, you, and of course, you guys put in so many hours. I mean, God, I must have been just you know, hey, we got to go to Florida. We got to test some more. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, what's it like working for JGR? I mean, you worked for uh, Factory Cowie, Factory KTM, Honda Troy. You were basically working for Factory Yamaha um, as a Yamaha Troy guy uh, manager. What's it like working at JGR? How do you like it? Uh, I love it. Um, when I when I first met with Boy and Jeremy, um, you know, they told me they were they they would get me the best tools available to work with, and mm-hmm. that's what I think has uh, has been the, the best thing about my career is, is that I've had that available to me, and uh, yeah, that makes that makes my job uh, easier, mm-hmm. um, potentially more successful. So it's it really is good. Uh, when I when I came here, I, I kind of reflect on it every now and then, and kind of mm-hmm. think, well, I asked to have all of this, and all of this is kind of being in control of everything. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a big plate to handle. <laughs> There's a lot on there, and uh, so sometimes when uh, you know when you're when you just have your hands full, I kind of wonder. Like, did I really want all this? But, uh, <laughs> right. Largely, it's it's been awesome. I, I love it. Um, I got uh, maybe not free reign to do uh, what I believe needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But if you can justify it and uh, and have the supporting facts, then it's all go. Let's do it. Yeah, and I mean, you guys. I mean, you got to look at your tank and shroud combination you developed when James was there. You had a rubber motor mount, motor mount for a while. You went and uh, got a, a shock built. There's been, like you said, if Coy and Coach, if you can justify it, they'll do it. They'll put the resources in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes it uh, very interesting and uh, keeps you thinking about what's the next project what can we do better mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's simple refinement uh, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel but there's we've had you know help from the car shop we've had help from uh, Yamaha motor mm-hmm. kind of different areas and you just try to make it a little bit better each time how much has from your days from your beginnings, and you raced for a long time at a pretty high level. Let's not forget the Loretta Lynn's championship, Dean. Um, Let's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from your, how That's much? A long time ago. Oh yeah, but hey, whatever. Take it. You should. God, yeah. God knows what I would be doing if I won one. Um, how much has electronics, EFI, uh, GPS, all that kind of stuff, uh, uh, ignition mapping? How much has that changed the job nowadays? It's uh, quite different, you know, and uh, even from the period where I uh, switched from, say, being the mechanic on the bike Mm -hmm. and uh, transitioned to engine builder or engine tuner, Mm -hmm. um, even in that, uh, maybe call that recent history, that uh, even only going back that far, it's quite different now with uh, the EFI um, compared to, say, the 125 two-stroke that 
was uh, you know an analog ignition. Mm-hmm. Uh, having to reprogram those ignitions for just uh, basically just ignition timing. Right. Super simple. Um, now it's very involved, and uh, that's a big part of my job now. And, excuse me, and uh, pretty interesting. I, I I actually enjoy that quite a bit. Right. Uh, it's challenging. It's uh, it's difficult to grasp. So it's a challenge. There's, uh, I guess I, I want to say that it is fun. Yeah. Well, even I, when you're beating your head, even when you're beating your head against the wall, trying to figure problems out or make it better or, or whatever it is, it's um, it's still good because eventually you come to a solution, and uh, you know it's not always entirely upon myself. I have to go uh, search out some support from mm-hmm. Yamaha or Get, who's our ignition supplier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's support there to be had. So. You're not always by yourself. You're uh, you're digging in there and finding solutions. So it's it's fun. I, I do like it. It's at a very high level now in comparison to yeah. what it used to be. Do you remember the Yamaha days when we had the the shift drum activated for different curves and different gears? We thought we were pretty, yeah. we thought we were pretty high tech. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, that's, that's uh, simple stuff now. Yeah. And also, I guess it takes a lot of the guesswork out, right? I mean, as far as a rider is telling you one thing, but he's not really feeling what the data is showing. So in some ways, right, yeah. in some ways, it gives you a ton more options. But in other ways, I guess it helps you because you're you're eliminating a lot of the guesses. Yeah, certainly. When you do uh, show the riders the uh, the data, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it it can make their eyes spin in their head, right? Because it, you know it's uh, sometimes hard to grasp what it really means, mm-hmm. and uh, but other ways, um, in a simplistic way, you can kind of at least have the data to back you up, and it's not so much you fighting against them. Mm-hmm. It's the writer says this, and you go, well, I don't know if I disagree or not, but the data shows this, <laughs> right? And, and then and then all of a sudden it's kind of like a calming moment, like. Aha! Uh-huh. Okay, I can't argue anymore. And <laughs> it, it at least opens their mind to like, okay, I can accept this is what's happening. Yeah. And then where? And then where do we go from there? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And I've had some guys, some some guys from teams tell me that, you know, they don't really even want to show the rider the data because they start getting lost in it a little bit. Like, just they're almost Definitely. like just ride the bike, dummy. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. jokingly, but you know. You ride it, right. we'll worry about it off the off the track. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like to I like to involve them if they if they have the interest. Mm-hmm. Um, some have interest. Some are like like I said, their their eyes are spinning and they're like, uh, I'd rather not know. Right, right. Just, just tell me the answer and we can move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go from there. Um, well, it's good to see you guys enjoying some success. Um, like I said, it's. Uh, it hasn't always been easy from the days of Hanny and Summy to the days now of Barsha and uh, and Pike. And, of course, as we like to joke about, perhaps JGR, uh, you guys, Coy Gibbs never scared to fill in, and you guys have perhaps had the most fill-ins in the, in the history of the sport. So you've had a lot of riders under that tent. Yeah. But, um, is that a feather in our cap? I don't know. I, th- 
I don't think it's one way or another. It's just you guys aren't scared to put new guys on the bike. You know, yeah. so yeah. if they kept score, we'd be winning. Huh? <laughs> right? It's it's so bad. You worked for the son of a rider that you used to work for. That's how bad it got. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, that's true. That, that's uh, that's uh, pretty good. Honestly, if that was me, I might have just quit right there and been like, "It's time to go. It's time for me to go." I worked for the dad yeah. and the kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a timestamp on me. You know that. Right. Right. Um, let's go back to, uh, let's get back in the time machine and figure out how you got to where you are now. Um, Florida, Florida guy or Ohio guy? Florida. Florida. Did you ever, did you ever live in Ohio at all besides the Honda Troy days or no? Um, early days, I, uh, in my amateur racing. Okay. Uh, excuse me. I had a buddy that, uh, that lived up there, James Eichel, and, uh, I would go stay with him a couple months out of the year leading ah. up to, say, okay. Loretta's. Okay. And uh, just be able to ride in the play versus the sand for, for uh, right. Loretta preparation type stuff. Um, you and the great Tim Ferry. Yeah. Not I, actually, uh, I actually watched Ferry grow up. You know, he was yeah. on the uh, 60s mm-hmm. uh, as I kind of was on the – uh, 80s and then bigger bikes. So I think I probably maybe remember him in those days playing with trucks in the dirt more than riding the motorcycle. But right, right. It, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, he, he did all right. Uh, and you were pretty fast too, though. Like we said, you won a Loretta Lynn's title, uh, an open class title, and lots of good finishes. I've seen your name in some Cycle News results here and there. How many nationals did you ride? Um, I spent probably about a year and a half trying to do, say, the southeast or mm-hmm. northeast national supercrosses. Yep. And uh, never really kind of figured out supercross. Uh, struggled pretty hard there. But uh, made my, my share of nationals. And, yeah. Uh, I want to say maybe my best moto finish was maybe like an 18th. Mm-hmm. So... Not a big points earner, but uh, you know, made it in there. And back yeah. in those days, I think I, I made my my fifty dollars per moto. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> so you weren't good at Supercross. It's shocking that riding at Croom every day didn't prepare you for no for Supercross. Uh, there were some other guys that uh, that actually you know they made it work, but yeah, I uh, I didn't quite get it figured out. Paggio, Paggio in his seventh or eighth or whatever, Tampa. Ah, uh, yeah. Pedja, he's a he's kind of a thorn in my side. <laughs> oh, was he? You know, was um, he really? Yeah, he's. Uh, no, we're good buddies. No, but I we, mean, uh, but it racing rivals or no? Are you being serious? Um, no, I think I think uh, good friends racing on the track that when uh, when one or the other wins, mm-hmm. then you, you have a good time rubbing it into the other guy. You know. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. So we we have the. Our infamous rivalry would be uh, 89 to actually put a date on it, mm-hmm. state championships, and it was a uh, uh, a long series, like 16 races. Yeah. And uh, we traded off like every every weekend, maybe every moto each weekend. So it was like which guy could get the overall right and barely edge each other out. 
I think he'd probably tell you that uh, that he won every race, but not, <laughs> not true. Not so. Not so. Uh, um, but he did get the the championship, so that's that's what really matters. Hey, funny that like, and I have the same thing with Shane Drew. Shane's older than me, and but I I grew up racing with him. He's. Mm-hmm. I don't know, seven years older than me, eight years older than you or something than me. And so I was yep. never in his class. He was always faster than me. But the same point where 30 years later, we're at the races together, like doing different things. Yeah. But here we are. It's re- yeah. Same thing with you and Paggio, right? I mean, 30 years later, yeah, you guys are still there. It's, uh, it's cool to be able to have um, you know, a friend that you raced against back then, and you have that um, – Kind of like your friendship is probably forged around that. Yeah. And then you and then you can, uh, you know, visit every weekend or so, and for a couple minutes, and you know, friendly face that you kind of grew up with. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I always think it's kind of neat, anyways. So, yeah. Eichel, where do we start with Eichel? Oh, I don't <laughs> think you can. That's, uh, <laughs> do we not just the time that we have? <laughs> Do we just move on? Um, yeah, Eichel. But, uh, one of them. I will say, great okay. guy. Yep, was a awesome family to me, and and like I said, just great guy, great friend to me. Um, you know, troubled, troubled life. Yeah, and uh, you know, wish you could steer him correctly, but uh, he sometimes you can't. One of the more interesting characters I've ever met in my time. Yeah, on the on the circuit. Without a doubt. Yeah. So I'd say you you could pull anybody. Right. And that that would be the probably the common um, comment. D- Dave you know. Die, Eichel, Watson, maybe the yeah. maybe the triumphant of of uh, of unique guys. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good start to it. <laughs> right. 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 That, um, that would, would be the first three at least. So how do uh, how do you stop racing? And get the job at Honda at Troy. How does that happen? Like myself, I was nowhere near on your level or anything like that. Yep. But I was. I got. I got hurt. I was beginning to realize I wasn't going to make a living at it, and I got hurt. And Shane Drew was a mechanic, and I wanted to be a mechanic also. So that's kind of how it happened for me. But what about you? How did you go from racing and attempting to make it to a Honda of Troy mechanic? Yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, it was probably like it was ninety one. And just getting ready for some East Coast Supercrosses, and uh, you know it's kind of the tour kind of made its way through the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Rode those, um, did terrible, <laughs> and uh, did terrible. Just, yeah, had a had a period where I, I kind of thought, well, you know, I should probably go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, really was interested in architecture and uh, so I, I started that direction um, I think in between there after I even after I started college uh, Paggio and myself and a couple of guys we actually did a world GP down in Guatemala which was you know it was that was probably just all about having fun it was right. uh, you know one last uh, one last Mm-hmm. spring break kind of deal and uh after that i i was totally done and I, I didn't even ride anymore oh, okay like just sat the bike just sat in the garage and so i went to college for uh 
year and a half, and then uh, buddy Jeremy Buell, who oh. had uh, previously been riding for the Peak Pro Circuit team. Top Fuel Buell. He, yeah. Yeah, Top Fuel Buell. He he uh, he didn't get his contract renewed with Pro Circuit, so he was looking for uh, putting together a privateer deal. Mm-hmm. He uh, was looking for a cheap mechanic, so he called me. <laughs> and uh, convinced me to drop out of college and and uh, go make a few bucks. That didn't sound like a very branches. good. Doesn't sound like a very good deal. But hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was kind of odd, but you know, evidently, I guess it was. It's worked out good for me. Yeah, yeah. So this would have been I, Buell on Suzuki then, when he got dropped. Well, he you know he got dropped off of the it was peak yeah. pro circuit Honda. And uh, there was a, a local shop in Ohio that was real close to where he lived, mm-hmm. and so he was he was looking for some free bikes or a good deal on bikes, and uh, so he hooked up with those guys, the Yamaha dealership. And at the time, he the reason why he didn't get renewed at at peak pro circuit was. He had uh, pointed out a 125 class. Right. So they didn't really have any need for him, unfortunately. And he's one of those guys that got caught in this uh, the ever-sticky uh, AMA point system that, that moved you up to the 250 yeah. class. Yep. Or now the 450 class that um, I'm not sure where it's at now that you score X amount of points per year get bumped out after three years it's changed about a hundred times since then but yeah buddy Antonez and buell a couple guys that got really screwed over yeah yeah so he wasn't i mean he was capable of riding the, the 250 class but mm-hmm. really wasn't quite ready to be dumped in there full time mm-hmm. uh, but that's what we tackled so uh i mean man for a first year guy in the 250 class i'm pretty sure i can't remember but I want to say that we made all the mains. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, that's a long time ago, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he did a really good job on the Yamaha 250. It was a really competitive bike, but the 125 wasn't wasn't super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of that year, uh, Johnny O'Mara was riding for uh, the. Honda of Troy team. Right. I don't think he actually really made it to the races because he got injured during practice mm-hmm. in uh, just getting ready for the 125 outdoors. Yeah, he broke his heel or something, I think. Yeah, something yeah. strange. Yeah. Um, anyhow, we uh, we made a deal, picked up those bikes that Johnny was riding, and this uh, mule was always a big fan of the, the Honda 125. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when we were able to do that, we picked up those bikes and raced the last four nationals for Honda of Troy. Um, and then that kind of got me in contact with Phil Alderton, oh, okay. owner of yeah. Honda of Troy. Right. And from there, uh, you know, he, he hired me on for the, the next 11 years. So this would have been 94, 93? When did the team start? When did Honda of Troy start? Uh, the official team was uh, 94, so I worked for Buell in 93. Oh, okay. Um, transitioned into uh, working for Honda Troy in 94, 
Would that, and, would that have been uh, would that have been Decker? Yeah, there was, would that have been Decker or Yezik? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Decker and Yezik. Okay, yeah. And uh, and then they had Todd DeHoop, Eric Kehoe on the two pitches. Oh, okay. So that yeah, so that's how it all works. So your Ohio friendship with Eichel got you to meet Buell, and then that got you the job. Were you? Yeah, exactly. Were you always into working on your own bikes and and a little more motor oriented and all that stuff um, your whole time? Yeah, looking back at it now, it's right. I should have just rode it more, <laughs> but I, I I liked working on it a lot. I certainly didn't like. Um, I liked it. I sure liked it to look good, you know, polished <laughs> up and shiny. Right, right. Oh, always replacing my stickers, kept them nice yeah. and tight. Um, and yeah, I think you wore JT gear. I saw a photo of you one time wearing really sweet, uh, sweet JT I was, gear. I was a wannabe of David Bailey, uh, <laughs> Johnny O, Ron Lachine, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. Right. So picking picking up the bikes from Johnny O, were you there when you actually got to meet Johnny O? You probably were freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I was stoked. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> now, so Honda of Troy grows into this into this thing. I mean, really, after Mitch, uh, mm-hmm. you want to look at the multi-rider dealership teams i mean i guess there was team tam or whatever but the the guys wearing the same kind of gear uh flipper phil alton was a little ahead of his time um with this and you worked for who decker and then craig or when did what were your series of riders there uh in 94 my my rider was todd the who okay and uh that year when it started off pretty good and then when we got to the 125 outdoors uh kehoe injured his back mm-hmm. i think for the third time mm-hmm. maybe that was the second time uh, <clears throat> he got injured and so uh we never really had a say a someone that was with the team uh the whole time to keep things organized yeah. um do any type of uh heading up testing and so forth. Mm-hmm. So when we had an extra mechanic, uh, Phil thought it was best that he put uh, Eric's mechanic with Todd and then moved me to that kind of organizer type, oh, okay. uh, like crew chief type dude. And so that's what I did for uh, the remainder of that year. And then uh, Craig, Mike Craig, Stingray, he was added in ninety, end of ninety four. Yeah, when he got let go by Yamaha. So, me being the extra guy at that point, which was I think it was probably like maybe the last two nationals or three nationals. Ninety four, ninety four. Um, there it is, Craig, and that lasted for the next uh, three years. Um. So you really, I mean, you've got uh, a first-hand look into how Honda Troy went from a box van team with, you know, Buell and, and DeHoop. DeHoop was, I think, his first rider. And then to, yeah. to the semi-truck massive thing uh, with Honda support and everyone wearing the same gear and everything else. I mean, at some point you must have been like, wow, we're really growing, huh? Flipper's really investing some money here. Yeah, yeah. I kind of really thought that, man, I'm doing something right here because right. – I can't believe it. Look at, look at my good fortune. But yeah. I now realize it wasn't uh, so much myself doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it was, those were good days. And 
mean, the growth, like you're saying, for yeah. Phil and the team, um, the shop, and the, the level of riders and people that were uh, that rode and you know made that part of their career is yeah. pretty amazing. Were you? Uh, was it a good job as far as pay and travel? I mean, didn't you, did you guys have to travel with the truck at some point? I think, or was it everything? Was everything pretty good that yeah. way? That started out as a uh, an idea that that Phil had that the <laughs> say four mechanics would would work on the bikes and we would each have our CDL and then we would take turns driving the truck. <laughs> right, right. I remember that. Well, Quite a big truck for uh, to go from a box van to a semi. Yeah, um, that never really happened, but we did have to. Tra- we did do quite a bit of traveling inside of it, which uh, mm-hmm. I don't think uh, was within the the law. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, yeah. I don't think we get in trouble for that, can we? No, nah, it's it's over statute limitations. Stat- statute limitations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but so go ahead. Uh, give me your best. Mike Craig comes out of nowhere to ride phenomenal story. You probably have a few of those. One of the more talented guys to ever throw a leg over a bike, but maybe one of the guys that probably didn't work as hard as he could have. Um, There were probably many days where you were frustrated with Mike Craig, but there were also probably some days where there were flashes of brilliance. Does any stand out? Yeah, I got got, uh, one was the... Gainesville National Gator Bag, mm-hmm. and uh, it was at the time it was uh, I want to say it was you know we would race Atlanta, yeah, then Daytona and then Gator Bag or right. some yeah mixture of that. There was three races that they called the Triple Crown, yeah, portion of the uh, of the series, <clears throat> and uh, so you know we we raced Atlanta, and then we spent the week in Florida or in between, say, Atlanta and, say, Gainesville, somewhere around there. And we we rode all week. He was stuck with us. He could get into trouble or <laughs> yeah, right. um, we used a lot of riding or whatever. So we took him riding every day. And just that little bit of time just totally turned the guy into a winner that weekend for Gainesville. He was so checked out that weekend. Um, or that moto that yeah. he was so far gone was just decimated everybody. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe this because it was, <laughs> I hadn't won a race yet as a mechanic. And I was, right. I was thinking, this is it. This is, yeah. it's all turning into <laughs> the perfect dream for me. Right. And, uh, with like a lap to go, he swaps down in the bottom of the gator pit crashes. And that was right after, actually, I remember now. Kenny Watson comes over to me. He's like, yeah, bro. <laughs> High five. And, uh, and then just then over the radio, Craig's down. <laughs> I'm like, you can't. you got to be kidding me. Uh, and, uh, but it was just a, a – reminds me of just how talented the guy was and how you're just waiting for the guy to just put it all together. You know, so very talented, but so uh, unfocused. You're like Mike. You're like Mike. If you rode like we did all week, like we did in Florida before this race, this is what could happen. This is what could, you could, you can yeah. win. <laughs> yeah, a good example of it for him. It only takes like two days of riding, right? And it, it's and he's a 
you know, you could win. Yeah. Then, uh, but you know, it's like that's a that's one of the good positive ones that uh, although right. we didn't win, that you know, it's all that stored up anticipation. Yeah. Where you know that man, he could just put it all together at any time. What a what a um, great style! Yeah. What great style he had. Say that again. What Sorry. great style he had, Craig. Oh, uh, yeah. Just awesome. Just, you know, aggressive. Just, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, I guess if you called it just cool California style. If someone idolized surfing or something, this right. guy would be it. If it was, you know, hot rods, this guy would be it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just really, really cool. Um, great to watch, especially when he's on. Yeah. Um. How uh, off the track though? Just a mess, right? Just could, couldn't yeah. couldn't get it together, yeah. right? Train wreck. Yeah, like or I mean, there Train were wreck. there were weekends probably where you weren't even sure he was going to show up. Yeah, several, yeah. <laughs> several, <laughs> several. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, times where uh, you know, and the like my my uh, first story there about him, mm-hmm. where he did the work. <clears throat> And uh, and things potentially were were all in line, right? But other times when, after the fact, I found out I haven't ridden it at all, <laughs> and you're on the podium, yeah. And I'm just like scratching my head, going, like, "What do I do here? Do I do I just pull the ripcord and get out? Right? Pull the pull the parachute? Someone <laughs> someone help me? You know? What do you do? Um. And then at one point, there's Craig and Swink and Larry Ward, <laughs> all under yeah. all under the Honda Troy tent. Yeah, Craig and Swink, that's a pair. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, and you know, then add to it is like Larry Ward would be like the topper to the cake. Yeah, what's your yeah? What's your number one Larry Ward is super weird to for bike setup story? What do you got? Oh, uh, just probably suspension. Um, got to have the the practice bike suspension on it, you know. It's, yeah. Um, I'm not a rider, and I or anymore, but mm-hmm. um, and I never had all this different settings available to me. Right. So I guess I can respect the the nature that you had to have the feel race bike practice bike. You're so in tune with it. Um, so yeah, as uh, kind of on the outside of that circle. I, I want to believe that there's something to it, but, you know, it's just uh, riding a dirt bike. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. Dead. I mean, JT and I have uh, weekly podcast battles over bike setup relate, relating to how much, you know, how much a rider's success is from that, you know? So. Uh-huh. Hey, thanks for listening to the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing of JGR, Yamaha's Dean Baker. Appreciate you listening to this and all the shows. Don't forget to check the archives out, and uh, you can get some uh, listens in on some older shows that I've done so you people can stop asking me to do new ones of guys I've already done. Check the archives out. Seriously, there's some good stuff in there. But once again, thanks to those guys for uh, thanks to you guys for listening, and thanks to uh, Fox and BTO Sports for coming on board. And this Race Tech commercial can save you money with some... Uh, a discount using the code PulpMX14 because I guarantee you, you probably need some suspension work on your bike. Once again, thanks for listening, and uh, see you around. 
BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lee, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, how how much work was the uh, aluminum framed CR two fifty in ninety seven? How bad was that thing? I guess first of all, and how much work was it for you guys to try to make the guys happy? Yeah, um, it was a lot of work, mm-hmm. um, and at the time, I believe we had uh, we had quite a bit of involvement from. Uh, Honda Racing, uh, Japan even, mm-hmm. and we were getting some HRC parts. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of it is, some of that involvement is, uh, you know, we had Kudrowski on the team. Yeah. Uh, Dan Fetley was the, was the crew chief. And I, I forgot you know, Larry about, Ward. I forgot about Dan. Like that, that yeah. you know, they're capable of getting a, getting the finishes, so the interest was there, and so a lot of that stuff was afforded to us, and uh, well, yeah, a whole lot of work to kind of get that thing handling. And if I, I remember correctly, it was very rigid bike, and uh, so I'd have to say if uh, it'd be cool to compare that bike and what we're currently racing these days. I know, right? Um, yeah, they'd, they'd probably be like, oh my, we'll just go ahead and crush this thing. What was the deal with the black fenders that Flipper put on for a little while? <laughs> he was always pushing the envelope on uh, what the, the what Honda wanted, you know, because they they want you to know that it's a Honda. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it it was hard for for Flipper to to stay within the lines, <laughs> and because uh, he kind of thought, well, the, it says Honda Troy and it's kind of pretty hard to our graphics were pretty bold and yeah um you couldn't mistake it it's like looking at a yamaha it's like right you know it's it's blue it doesn't even say yamaha on it but um yeah he he liked to kind of push the push the color outside the lines and and kind of do it his way um after you worked for craig who'd you work for after Craig, I worked for Mike Brown, and that was uh, '98. Oh, okay, yeah. So that, that was super cool. Um, awesome guy, totally driven from within. Um, <laughs> so the exact op- even, uh, <laughs> the exact even opposite. took care of all of his own practice work. So yeah, I, I could send him parts, and he'd drop in new pistons, mm-hmm. service it, whatever. 
So the exact opposite of Mike Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Although, Craig was, uh, I don't think he actually wore out any mics. <laughs> right, right. You'd get them back. <laughs> the graphics yeah. would still be new on them. Um, yeah. And then in 99, you guys switched to Yamaha. You got Yamaha support and became Yamaha of Troy. And things really right. started to take off from there. Um, when did you become sort of the, the motor guy? Uh, that was 99. Okay. Um, so part of our... Uh, our program there with Yamaha was to be uh, self-sufficient in the engine department mm-hmm. and uh, Flipper and Eric Kehoe, they, uh, they came to me and said, hey, we think that you're the guy that can handle this. And uh, I kind of thought, like, I, I don't know if I agree with you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give it a shot, I guess. And, uh-huh. uh, but together with Yamaha, they... They had a, a good plan that they would, you know, bring me along slowly, or I don't know how slow it was, but mm-hmm. they'd bring me along. And uh, so I, I worked really close with uh, Bob Oliver and Steve Butler to uh, to get, you know, the necessary work done to learn, to learn the right. uh, grinding cylinders to machining, engine cases, as whatever it took. Um, yeah, and and Bob Oliver, who's still there to this day, just a great guy, super smart. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, and uh, Steve Butler's there too. He's uh, yeah. he transitioned over into the R and D department. Yep. So it's, I mean, now he's he's guiding the uh, the bikes that we were racing. So it's yep. cool to have him involved still. Still see him. Yeah. Do you do every uh, every. Do you still Every year, say Anaheim or so. Yeah, you so. talk to Steve a little bit about what's going on and what you're doing and all that, yeah. right? And what's coming down the pipe. Yeah. yeah. Um, when did the four-stroke come? The two DF was that oh one, oh oh. Yeah, oh one, oh one. A lot of pushing off. A lot of can't starts. A lot of uh, a few times there was oil <laughs> trails, um, <laughs> but but in the end the thing worked pretty good with with uh, uh, Ramsey on it and uh yep. uh the bike was good wasn't it that those first two of the i mean they were they probably caused you a lot of sleepless nights but you know yeah that's what uh that's what we do we uh we fix them after they break i guess <laughs> but um yeah that that bike was really cool mm-hmm. uh, certainly uh probably wasn't very liked by the rest of the pits right Anybody that, anybody that we had to race against, um, Ernesto Fonseca and Ramsey that year, uh, it was pretty fun. You know, we, we it was mixed where we, we had two 125s and two 250Fs, yep. um, one of each on each coast, and that kind of made it pretty cool. We I think we kind of showed that uh, we could make both bikes competitive, uh, but yeah, certainly the 250F was made the most noise for the next I think two years before the other manufacturer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember Nick Nick Way told me he had a choice on what he wanted to ride and you Honda Yamaha Troy was letting him choose and he was like uh nah I don't think that thing's heavy, it sucks. Uh, I don't want to race it and then I'll stick to the one twenty five and then he said at some point early in the year he was like, Oh shit, that was a bad move. I should have yeah. I should have picked the four stroke. Yeah. Yeah, it was really getting super cost, of course, because the torque and the uh, mm-hmm. high confines pretty much uh, 
beat the pants off of 125. Yeah, and, and uh, although there were some DNFs, huh? I mean, that was was that was a DNFs a case of you guys were pushing the limits, or was it uh, of horsepower and that kind of stuff, or was it more reliability issues with um, you know maybe taking the oil out of the frame? I don't know if you did that back then or, or whatever, but what were the DNFs of kind of the learning curve for that thing? Yeah, I guess it would be hard to say if, if it was pushing the limits because um, knowing what the horsepower was then and now. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's apples and oranges, but um, maybe for the for that period, um, being that the bike's brand new, um, might have been pushing the limits on, on that particular model mm-hmm. um, and finding the durability limits of it. So I'd say a combination of the two. Right. Um, but you know, we got it worked out. We uh, any of the failures, we were lucky enough to where it was uh, maybe heat races mm-hmm. or practice sessions. Right. So you know, we pulled it out of the fire when it counted. And and while you were the motor guy at Yamaha Troy, man, uh, Ron Cotta and Casey Johnson and Ramsey and and Way and Fonseca. And, I mean, there were some powerhouse teams there. You guys were right with Mitch Payton at Pro Circuit many many weekends. Uh, you know, Yamaha Troy being the team you wanted to ride for. Sure. Yeah, we, uh, you know, with uh, four championships in four years, mm-hmm. uh, pretty strong. Uh, and man, I can't argue with that. Man, Casey, and Casey should have won that 99 title. He was uh, far and away yeah. the, the best guy in that class until he, you know, got landed on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, pretty smart when he's on the track, you know, and just yeah. amazing guy when with his the level of confidence that he had. Uh, yeah, it's a shame he didn't win that. Yep. And did you have any idea that Ernie could be as good as he was right out of the gate? I think he won the first four races in a row. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I had no idea. I know that um, um, Kenny G, Kenny Germain was mechanic and mm-hmm. you know they live down in Corona those two guys were at the track they I think they lived there maybe for the first four months that Ernesto was in the US mm-hmm. uh, full time they they lived at the track and um, with our race shop that was uh, on the north side of LA right I, I didn't see him on, on a daily basis um, and then when it came time to race in Tampa that year, I was, you know, I, I think I was as nervous as he was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had to ride preliminaries. Right. Uh, and then uh, qualifier, and he just kept reeling off these wins. One of the things that, that sticks in my mind, too, is when he would do a start, he would just, he's, you know, pretty little. And yeah. He would just drop the clutch. And the bike would wheelie all the way in, all the way to the first turn. He let <laughs> off enough to drop the front wheel, and then was gone. Yeah. And he did that like every time that he was on the starting gate. I was like, this kid's amazing. And yeah. then, you know, the main event was pretty spectacular too. Is with both guys. Um, I think they're running one two, and Ernie splits Roncada and a lapper over the triple, and mm-hmm. you know I'm doing the pucker for him, <laughs> and. Uh, by the time they get to the finish line, you know, it's like, I think I had a little tear in my eye for him. And yeah. it was just, it was pretty emotional to kind of just see that kid just go from, 
I didn't know if he was going to make it. Uh, right. You know, he, he showed us, you know, first time winner, first race. And uh, let's not forget, uh, you were the motor builder for the last 125 to win a supercross with Ivan Tedesco. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the last, I didn't, I didn't. The last 125. So I didn't know that. Pontiac, I think. Was it Pontiac? I think it was. Hmm. Um, uh, I killed it. <laughs> what, the, I killed it, huh? You did. Oh, your motors are just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. <laughs> um, hey, uh, obviously, uh, Phil Alderton, um, the owner of the team, has gone up and down, had some difficulties, passed away a few years ago. Did you sort of see Phil kind of start going down the wrong i mean you were there since 94 i imagine at different times you were like yeah phil's got a problem we got to help him i mean it had to been a guy that you cared for a guy that employed you for a long time and was it tough to see that yeah definitely um and you know back in those back in those days um i'd have to say i was pretty naive about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd tell me whatever he had to tell me to cover it up. Yeah. And, uh, but eventually I kind of got maybe wise to it. And I, I told him I wasn't going to be a part of it. And, you know, and then he, he, uh, went through several rehab programs and, mm-hmm. you know, he asked me to be his, his sponsor and so forth. And man, we, you you feel like you like you're doing as much as you can. Yeah. And and then uh, you know like when it when it goes wrong, you still question yourself that I've done more. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's that's very very tough, and uh, you can't help them unless they want to help. So. Mm-hmm. Still tough though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did one of these with Kehoe a little while back, and he basically left because of, of Flipper's problems. He's just like, I can't. It was as much it was as much babysitting and helping Phil out as it was with the real team, and I, I really, you know, it was too much. And, and I guess you kind of got to the same spot, right? Yeah, I did. I, I, uh, do want to try to remember when that came about. But I want to say it was probably like uh, middle of '03. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I, you know, I tried to do it. Um, it actually wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. I think it was just like a like a all of a sudden. You all at once. I just said, "Okay, I'm doing something else." Yeah. And I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> But I'm 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 doing something else, and uh, and immediately after that race weekend, I went to Yamaha, um, had a meeting with those guys mm-hmm. and Flipper, and said, uh, you know, kind of, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm I'm moving on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, tough. That's how it went. Tough decision for you, but like you said, you get to a point where you're like. This is no good. This is not, you know, all the work you're putting in, all the effort you're putting in, and you're not having any fun, I imagine. And that's really the bottom yeah. line, you know. Yeah, not not with that, that's for sure. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, and maybe it kind of, excuse me, but it, it took that, that, um, that uh, I guess, instant reaction yeah. where maybe you didn't think about it so much 
but it was like it was like a knee-jerk reaction where I said, "Okay, I'm done." Uh-huh. And uh, but without that, you know, if you really thought it through, yeah, maybe too difficult to go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm hmm. gonna do it. What do I got to do? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's what it, what I needed to to make that decision. But yeah, it was. We dealt. We both, Eric and I, both dealt with that um, for quite some time. You know. Yeah. Was the race shop always up in Valencia just because Eric lived up there? Is that how that happened? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it was because of where he lived, uh-huh. um, but that's where it kind of started small. Right. Where um, before locating the, the entire race team out there, uh, we got a, a small uh, unit um that we used as a as a race shop for when we're traveling around and you know five races are in California so we we all would kind of use that that storage unit as mm-hmm. kind of the race shop yeah or or at least where we could go and build bikes and so forth yeah <clears throat> and then when we actually said okay everybody's going to be located in California there was already that, you know, some roots put down right there that we mm-hmm. kind of said, okay, now we need a bigger shop. Everyone's going to be located here. We're all going to live uh, where we have to show up every day to work. We're no longer scattered right. around the U.S. Uh, in box vans. Um, did you, uh, so you left Yamaha Troy not to go to Cowie. You didn't have a Cowie job at that time. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and to be clear, I, I didn't quit right there on that that day. It okay. was actually um, at Glen Helen, so it was the very first race of the outdoor series. Mm-hmm. I just said I'm finishing the year, but next year I won't be back. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah. Okay. So um, so yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't have a job. Right. I was going to. Right. But I uh, I had made the decision that I was going to do something different. So Cowie, Factory and, Cowie uh, comes com, com, comes calling at some point. Yeah, yeah, almost immediately. I think it was probably the next week. I don't know if someone sent out a, a newsletter or something, <laughs> but um, funny, it was like the very next week. Um, Skip Norfolk gives me a call and says, uh, "I'd like to talk to you about next year." So mm-hmm. I said, "Perfect. I'm in need of a job." Right. <laughs> um, so you go there to work with Rick Ash alongside Rick Ash as a motor guy. Yep, yep. And uh, they uh, they thought that since I had four stroke experience, mm-hmm. uh, that I would be a good guy to help head up the uh, which would have been uh, a new model, the, the 2004 KX50F. And they hired Carpenter. Was that the year they hired Carpenter? Yeah, yeah. I think they wanted the. The, uh, the most abusive <laughs> test rider slash racer to, to durability test it. Um, that bike wasn't very good, though, was it? No, nah, it was. Uh, it had its problems. And, overheated, um, overheated, bad. Uh, yeah, just not great. <laughs> yeah, not not the greatest. Um, that was the, the famed uh, Suzuki Kawasaki mm-hmm. collaboration, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know, it was pointing the fingers, you know, kind of yeah. the other way. Yeah. But uh, on, on our end, as far as 
uh, Kawasaki Racing is in racing our bike. We had uh, we had uh, pretty good success with with Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't have uh, we didn't push it off the track. Yeah. Uh, maybe once. Yeah, there was definitely more more pushing off by some Suzuki teams than you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who were you know? For we whatever, ended up doing pretty well with it. For whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. You were at Cowie for two years. Uh, three years. Three years, uh, and then you went to KTM. Why did you leave? Um, we had uh, some situations there that uh, I needed upper management support and uh, didn't quite get it. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Okay. It's a uh, too long of a story for for this podcast. Maybe we'll have a. Yeah. Uh, tell-all type edition. <laughs> right. Well, we should all write tell-all books when we're all done. We're all done yeah. in the industry, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, K- uh, how'd KTM come about then? Was Brooks there then? Uh, no, it was actually uh, Kirk Nicole and Casey Lytle. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was just kind of, I was unhappy with uh, what had happened at Cali. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we you could kind of brush things under the rug and yeah, um, but I kind of feel like I, I let that situation eat at me a little bit. Right. So that kind of turns into you know you better find something else to do. You can't <laughs> you can't look past it. So right, right. Um, and and funny enough, also that uh, right when I needed uh, a job, you know Casey, who I worked with at Yamaha Troy. Oh yeah, that's as, right. As a rider, yeah. Now he's my boss, and he's like. Uh, you know, we got. They had a new 450 coming out um, that was geared more towards the uh, motocross, supercross mm-hmm. style of stuff. Where I think their previous 450 was more like a an XC bike or something. It was a warmed um, over Husaberg, yeah, warmed over yeah. Husaberg slash XC. So yeah. They had a new model coming out, and they wanted uh, they needed a, a, a guy to focus on that. And uh, so I went there for a short term, unfortunately. But um, no one likes to, to kind of hop around jobs and so forth. Yeah. That wasn't my intentions. But, um, yeah, that was short-lived. But uh, those guys were all really cool to work with. I mm-hmm. took a trip to Austria. and uh, You know, they, they, do it, they do it pretty well, the way that they yeah. go about racing. That would have been – what riders were there then? Was it uh... – Woods and and Rodriguez and those guys, Joaquin. Yeah, those those guys were on the uh, on the 250s, and uh, my guy was for outdoors only was uh, a lesson. Oh, okay, yeah. So, oh, that was was that the magic shock here? <laughs> I think so. I think the 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 magic shock where he turned really turned his season around about halfway through and started started posting better results on the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was something else. How was Tony? You got you. Oh, he's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony, you know, it's. Uh, I think we had a, a pretty good understanding from the very beginning. Um, you know, it, it took a few mm-hmm. uh, run-ins or conversations. <laughs> heated man, but, uh, heated man conversations. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, for the most part, I, I want to say that you know, I uh, mm-hmm. we did pretty well together good um like i said as long as um 
we understand each other, we can be friends. Right. <laughs> you did, now you left KTM to go to JGR, or you were out at KTM before JGR comes calling. Actually, um, it was probably about only a couple months in, and uh, Jeremy was was putting together plans mm-hmm. for the uh, 2008 year, and so we're you know, like maybe only halfway through our season of 2007. And uh, he kind of was just letting me know that uh, that he was looking for mm-hmm. uh, an engine guy, and I kind of thought about it, and I was like, I'm not even unhappy with my current job yet. Yeah, yeah give me a chance to <laughs> get tired of <laughs> to this. Get, to get really pissed and, off, uh, right? Yeah, but uh, but uh, I, you know, obviously saw this this as a, a great opportunity to uh, move back to the East Coast. That's where. You know, I kind of grew up by it, mm-hmm. and uh, my family's over here. So I kind of always wonder, like, how can I make that happen in racing? Right. And uh, and when he when he kind of called, I was like, well, let's at least think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did. So. I, um, I'm out of California, and although I might go back one day, I don't really like California, but it's tough in our industry to not live there, it right? Is. Like, yeah, uh, you know, um, it, and you can't argue the, uh, you know, the the weather for riding. Although, if it never rains, it's kind of hard to keep the track from yeah being a powder bowl. Yeah, um, but it, you know, it's, you can ride pretty much in between the fires or the floods. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, East Coast living's it. You know what? Just to take this podcast off. We have grass and trees. I know. Just to take this podcast off the, away from it for a second, I just checked my email, Dean, uh, and uh, some guy named Fred says, uh, if you're looking for a podcast interview idea, how about Dean Baker from JGR? Right now. Right now (laughs) at 5.22 p.m. That's that's impossible. My one fan. (laughs) This Fred guy, Fred Ferguson. Called it right now, uh-huh. Fred Ferguson. Uh, well, Fred, this Fred's is awesome. Fred, Fred, this is for you. Fred actually came to the shop. <laughs> um, uh, hey, so yeah, so again, like a chance to go back east, and 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 uh, like we said, California is it's okay, but it's not all that if you're not born and raised there, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, uh, I love the uh, the friends we made there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, our own little bubble, you know, like when yeah. you live in your own little little shell, you know, of your life. That part's good. Um, uh, a lot of the stuff outside of that, I could uh, be alright if I didn't have to sit in traffic anymore. All of that's everywhere, but yeah, the worst there ever. You know what's um that's crazy is J Bone, the man who was in Fresno Smooth, he was in it. <laughs> He he loves yeah. it. Out, he loves it out there. Fred, like he loves North Carolina. Fresno smooth. Yeah. That's both classic. <laughs> was was Eichel in that? <laughs> Colin, um, we'll have to come up with a new uh, <laughs> new film and maybe. I feel like I feel like Eichel should have been in that if he wasn't. He sure could have been, huh? <laughs> um, Some role. I can, I can think of a role now, but... 
the uh, the first year at JGR with Hanny and uh, Summy. How was it? How was everything getting going? How was that? You know, those were those were actually uh, some uh, say call it good growing pains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that we had to start um, modestly, right? And that's not that's not. Uh, a comment based on their writing skills or anything about them. Right. But we, you know, we certainly wouldn't have been prepared to go win a championship with a championship caliber rider. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had to get everything in place. Um, didn't want to cause it to be uh, super high stress and um, all about failures that you could make. Let's start with with what you can handle, and then and then build upon that. Yeah. Yeah, good good uh, learning, yeah. Yeah, and two uh two guys that you wouldn't call them uh, uh I guess similar, but kind of similar. Mhm. Kind of in a, in a weird way, you know. Yeah. But um both solid guys. Um both very talented. One probably never we we haven't even probably seen the talent that he's got in him, but you know, that's like everything else, that's his choice. Yeah. Um, do you guys still give J Bone shit about hiring Cody Cooper? I mean, nice, <laughs> nice guy, but that, um, that didn't work out. No, yeah, that, that was that was marked that down for the uh, don't do again column. <laughs> uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, what was cool about him that year was he'd always say like what. And Cody, you want to uh, do so on and so forth? Well, I don't know. What's Josh doing? So it was. <laughs> if it was making plans for Josh, just go ahead and mark down too. <laughs> I'll do whatever like, that guy's doing. Right, right there. Yeah, grant party of two. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hey, give me your best before we wrap it up. Give me your best Coy Gibbs story. Give me the uh, give me the funniest, weirdest thing he's done. He brought that one on me. It's, uh, he doesn't listen uh, to these, so don't worry about it. All right. Um, he he has got to be one of the guys in the pits that makes me laugh the most. Not always intentionally either, but some of the yeah. things he says, I'm just like, uh, I'm like, really? You're you know really? his. Go ahead. His thing is to. Uh, is to kind of like make fun of guys, kind of like a, foot, a football locker room type of setting. Yep. Where you, you know, it's it's always guy stuff, mm-hmm. and it's always try to beat you down or embarrass you or mm-hmm. something. Right. But his favorite guy is Patrick. Yeah. Um. So he'll. Uh, I think the the one of the early races, well, the first races that Patrick. Uh, ever went to because he used to be our practice bike mechanic. Right. So he would he would take Hanny and Summy out to the practice bike or to the practice track and mm-hmm. then wash the bikes afterwards. And so he never traveled. But uh, we we took him to one of the races before he was even a mechanic. And uh, Coy would start. He told the uh, like the TSA agents at mm-hmm. the airport. Yeah. Hey, this kid's never this kid's never flown. Uh, he just peed his pants, uh, <laughs> so on and so forth. And that continued through the whole trip, whether it was uh, yeah, yeah. 
the airport or in the pits at the races and then at the restaurant when we ate that, you know, later that evening, um, kind of nonstop. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's a thing. That's, right. that's, not a, that's not a story. That's, uh, that's a weekly thing. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's, on, I, it's ongoing. I'm waiting for Patrick to post his degree above his bench, like he keeps saying he's going to do, to show Coy that he does have a college education. Uh, he, he probably won't do that because that'll Coy will figure out a way to <laughs> to use that as ammunition. <laughs> right, right. And, and hey, another uh, guy, another guy you're working with there too, um, uh, Sean Ulikowski, f- former factory Honda guy. Uh, you two yep. work together. Uh, Sean Ulo's a good dude and a pretty smart guy. Yeah, yeah, solid. Uh, certainly uh, puts the engine together well. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's that. Uh, um, also, very much into mountain bikes. Very, very much. Yeah, maybe, maybe Loves the bicycles. And uh, he, he actually got me into it. So, oh, okay. Um, I, I used to just do the road bikes, mm-hmm. um, but now he's kind of kind of drug me back into racing, and it's uh, kind of rekindled some of that uh, competitiveness that that I had when I was younger racing motorcycles. Now it's uh, now just racing bicycles. Yeah, Wygant even shows up with his... Uh, <laughs> yeah, his... That's, uh, he does, and it's out of the blue. <laughs> well, we've seen him for two years, and all of a sudden he shows up to a mud race. Right, right, with, with, uh, with free mountain bike gear that he got. Like, he didn't pay for yeah, it, it's just all right. old. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, hey, Dean, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Told you it would be painless. Yeah. Told awesome. You. Uh, been fun going down memory lane. Yeah, it was a good times, and, and I mean, really, you want to talk about? I mean, you were at Yamaha and Honda at Troy, you know, for you know ten years, and uh, saw that thing grow and build, and, and and had some great success with a number of riders, either either yeah. you know working for them in, as a mechanic or even uh, building their motors. So uh, you've you've done a lot in the industry. You got to be pretty pumped with uh, your your route and 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 where you are at, where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely, definitely pumped with. Uh where I'm at now, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I never, I never dreamed that, uh, I would be doing this, mm-hmm. I, I did dream, but, you know, here we are, it actually came true, um, it's been a lot of work, a lot of, um, yeah, can't imagine that, that I, that this could sustain someone for, uh, the amount of years, and that's, that's your career path, so, yeah, but, I uh, I told my mom when I started to be a mechanic in '96. I said, "Hey, I'll I'll be home at the end of summer to like get on with my real life." Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'll go to school yeah. or, or I'll do something at the end of this year, and then yeah. I never really came home again. Yeah, it was funny. With um, you mentioned your mom, I I was I was so afraid to tell my mom I was uh, dropping out of <laughs> dropping school, out right out of college, and she was like, "You know what?" Most people don't even use their their degree. It's just another piece of paper. Yeah. That they have to keep track of or something. And I was kind of like, I didn't expect that. Right. Right. You're like, so, I'm, I'm going to go live in a van with top fuel Buell. Is that cool? Instead of school. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you never really know where where it, where it ends up or where it takes you. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. The great Dean Baker. Thanks very much, Dean. And I guess we'll see you at the the Monster Cup, right? Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Steve. All right. See you, Dean. Thanks. Excellent. Bye. Bye.
This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go.